0: Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message, but before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the word together.
1: Uh, It's interesting because um, uh, the the time we're in this weekend is celebrating Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection. Um, But there's part of that story that actually extends past when Jesus was raised from the dead. Uh, For 40 days, Jesus walked among the disciples. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what it was that Jesus did after he was raised from the dead and how important that was. And then the Bible says that he ascended back into heaven and the disciples watched him. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning and look at that kind of that neat angle of what it looked like right after resurrection. Because at this point in the day, Jesus is already raised from the dead, right? And they're trying to figure out what happened. Who took his body, right? They're still, they're still navigating what had happened, and yet Jesus has a whole plan where he's going to lay things out for them. So we're going to dive into Luke uh, chapter 24. So turn with me to Luke chapter 24. And while you're turning there, um, we don't want to miss the opportunity to just pray over the offering. Can we do that? We believe in tithes and offerings around here. We believe that God uh, uses our, the gift and the giver to be a blessing in the kingdom of God. So those of you that came, brought your tithes and offerings, bring them regular. We're going to just pray over that. Can we do that? Father, thank you for the opportunity to come and to uh, bring our tithes and our offerings into the storehouse, bring it in before you, Lord. We don't give to a building, a man, an organization. Lord, when we give, we give to you. And we're so grateful that you receive those uh, into the storehouses of heaven. And we thank you, Father, that this money will go into your kingdom and it will produce a harvest and people will come to know Jesus and they'll be helped uh, spirit, soul, and body. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Luke 24, are you there? Luke chapter 24. So, uh, this is a little bit of uh, Jesus kind of uh, showing off a little bit when he's raised from the dead. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but um, if I had the ability all of a sudden to show up to some guys that I that I know and love and trust, uh, and I can walk through a wall, I might I might do something a little different than just peace be to you. I don't know. I mean, that's just the human in me. I'm, you know, there might be a boo or a surprise or, a, you know, I mean... you you got a shot here. And so Jesus didn't. He, uh, he came in and he stood in the midst of them. And this is in verse, uh, uh, this is in verse 36. And he said, he, now, as he said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and he said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. <clears throat> That's, um, they thought they saw, saw a ghost, basically. That, you know, they're trying to wrap their head around all this stuff. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see me for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus is proving to them that he really is alive. He really is raised from the dead. They're not seeing things. They're not hallucinating. This is not a ghost. This is really Jesus who's alive from the dead and he's, and he's in his physical body. Now it's glorified. When he came to them and he said, you can now touch me, his body's been transformed and changed and glorified. What does that look like? We don't know yet, but we're about to find out because when Jesus comes back, those that know Jesus and Jesus knows them will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye, changed and transformed into the same image and likeness as Jesus. So we're going to have bodies like this. So we'll recognize each other. You know, we won't have to relearn everybody's (laughs) names and you'll know who all your friends are but you'll be the best version of yourself. Amen. And Jesus came and he shows up to them in his glorified body. He's like, come on, touch me, touch me. It's really me. It really is me. Put your hand in here in the piercings. See my side. In verse 40, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet and while, and while they still did not believe for joy and marvelled. So basically another version says they, they were still having a hard time believing, but because they were so excited and so astonished, they were just enamored like, this is, re- is this really him? He, says, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb and he took it and he ate it in their presence. He's proving again that he is really him, right? Never have you seen a gr- group of guys watch somebody eat so intently. <laughs> I, I liken it to watching your buddy do the hot wing challenge, right? Where... <laughs> He's got to get 10 of them babies down, and you're like, oh, this is going to be good. Like, you just, they're watching him to see what in the world he's doing. And he's just proving to them it's really him. He's really alive. It's really his body, flesh and bone, glorified by the power of God. It's awesome. And then, so they're watching him eat, and he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that the things, or that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets. And the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding. Everybody say, open to their understanding. understanding. That they might comprehend the scriptures. There was a season where the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was telling them before he died. It was why they were distraught. They didn't understand. It hadn't been revealed to them yet. And now Jesus is back. This is part of why Jesus needed to be on the earth for this 40 days. Was to open the scriptures to his disciples so that they could see He was the Messiah for real. He really did have to go to the cross. He really did have to go to the graves. He really was going to get resurrected. And that he fulfilled every prophecy in the Old Testament that they knew about. And he just laid it out for them so they could see and know that he is the Christ. The son of the living God. He had to do this. So important in this season when we're we're celebrating Jesus being resurrected. But that wasn't the end. He still spent 40 days on the planet in and among the disciples, teaching them and instructing them and laying out proof after proof after proof that he is exactly who he said he was. This is why as Christians we can trust the Bible because not only did the Bible write it, but there are other writings of the times that lay out Jesus was on the planet. That he did die and there was legitimate evidence for him being alive from the dead after his crucifixion for 40 days. It's provable in our time. So those that say the Bible is fables and it's fiction and it's made up, it's laughable because this book is so provable, it's amazing from more than just its own sources. And for us, this is enough. But from other sources too, to acknowledge that Jesus was on the planet, he was alive after his death and burial, that's amazing. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve, amen? So it's like when he opens their understanding and he brings to light, and they start seeing these. They have these moments that you and I have had many times. I like to refer, refer to it, you've heard this before, as an aha moment. Aha. Have you ever had that? You've been working on something, and you're trying to figure it out, and you like get it apart. I'm, like, I'm the guy that likes to take things apart. You get it all apart, and you're like, aha, I see the problem. right? And you, you can connect the thing, or you can fix it, or tweak it, and you put it back together, and it works. Ah, right. oh, that feels good. But it's because you have a moment where you understand. It, it's like, it like clicks for you. And that's, that's so true for these guys. It's like they knew Jesus was special, and he did miracles, and he said he was. And we said, we confessed he was the Christ, and then he died, and he's in the grave, and we don't know what to do. And then he, he comes back, and he's like, is this him? This is him. He's eating. We're watching him eat. It's, it's him, right? And he opens their understanding, and they begin to see and see, and see, these are the guys that turn the world upside down, these are the disciples that made disciples, that made disciples, that made disciples, I mean, they had to know for sure, this is him, this is it, and when he revealed to them, and he opened up their understanding, there was no more questions that he was the Christ, he's it, there was still a growing and a learning, now come on, they didn't didn't arrive in that moment, there was still impartation and truth, just like you and me, where we get stuff from the word of God all the time, it's like, wow, I didn't I didn't see that before. Thank you, Lord, for revealing that to me and showing me, tweaking my thinking and my attitude and my ideas, helping me to see things clearly from your perspective. They they were learning and growing in this too, but here's Jesus opening up their understanding. Same thing He's doing for us, opening up our understanding. Amen. That's what that's what He wants the world to know. We preach Jesus to the world that doesn't know Him, right? We don't preach theology. We don't preach all the uh, doctrination of the Bible. We don't go after him for that. We preach Jesus because you can't understand anything else in the Bible until Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. You start there and then you start to understand stuff. This is why it's difficult to have big theological conversations with unbelievers because their mind does not understand the things of God and it won't until you submit yourself to God. And maybe that's an answer for some of you today. Like, maybe you've been struggling with just the whole idea of God. I don't know. But I'm telling you, once you submit to Jesus and you give him lord, lordship of your life, and you say, okay, I'm in. I believe this. Then he comes to you and he begins to open your understanding. And you begin to see things you didn't see before. Why didn't I know that before? Why didn't I see that before? It's because you weren't in yet. You weren't in yet. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So this is what we need more of. We need more understanding in the light of Scripture. Come on now. It's, it's, Christians have gotten a bad reputation because we've, we've on occasion we've just had our feet in the water and we've not been all in. We haven't been submitted to Jesus. We haven't repented of sin and turned from it. We haven't gone the direction God wants us to go. We haven't followed after him with our whole hearts in areas. And it's caused some problems in the world. They're like, well, come on. They're, they're doing stuff too. The world looks at Christians and we like... They're just like us. Come on now, we should be different, amen? Amen. And the only way we get different is if we go all in. I'm telling you, different is good. Different's better, I'm telling you right now. You You want to be on this different side. Thank you, Lord. Amen. (laughs) We don't want to play church, we don't want to play Christian. Come on, Jesus even said there's people that will come to him in the end. When all things are fulfilled and, we come, and they come before Jesus, there are people that played church and played Christianity, they will come to him and say, God, didn't we do all these wonderful things? I mean, we were at the egg hunt at 40 degrees, helping. We were there. And, and he'll like, his answer is, depart from me. I never knew you. People play in church, not in. Come on, we don't have time to play church. You want God to do something awesome in your life? Give him everything. Dive all in, submit it all to him, let him have it all, and he will make it so wonderful you'll be astonished and upset with yourself that you didn't do it sooner. Amen. I mean, we've all kind of kicked ourselves a little bit once in a while for just not getting on the ball quicker. If I had known this 10 years ago, good night, where could we be? So don't, don't beat yourself up, just get in. Get in. Let God start working. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So verse 46, <clears throat> he said this to them. Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary. You guys there? Verse 46 of Luke 24. Thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. That's today. Glory to God. Amen. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, <clears throat> Excuse me, according or beginning at Jerusalem. And you are the witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you have been endued or filled with power from on high. Jesus still had things to say. He needed to open their understanding so that they could understand Scripture. And He revealed it to them. And we see a couple of passages of that in the the Gospels where He showed up to those two guys on the road to Emmaus and they were just walking, talking about Jesus. Like, can you believe what's going on? This guy was dead. Now there's a whole bunch of people saying He's alive. I mean, what is that? How does that change things? These two guys. And then Jesus just kind of walks up next to him, you know, like just shows up and walking next to him. You know, can you imagine? And he just starts talking to him and revealing scriptures. And they begin to see, oh, wow, that is in the Bible. He, what, he is the Messiah. He, he did have to die. He did have to be raised again. And he revealed himself to him over and over and over. And they saw it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And he's doing that for us, too. Thank you, Lord, for that. So then we get to this point called the ascension, the ascension. Now, this is the part where Jesus, after he'd spent 40 days, uh, fellowshipping with them, having some meals, sharing scripture, showing them what it is that they're going to do. I mean, he had given them some instructions. He'd already told them before he died that they were going to go into all the world and preach the gospel and that he was going to build his church. But now he's, he's showing them the nuts and bolts of the word of God so that they understand with clarity the way he did of how he was the Messiah. He was the redemption for sins. He is the reconciler. He's the reconciler to bring people back to God who think they never can be a part of God anymore because they've done too much. They've fallen too far. Jesus is the reconciler and he's showing them this. It doesn't matter what you've done or how far you've fallen. God can redeem and has redeemed through Jesus every life on the planet. Amen. If they'll just say, okay, God, take me. I'm Take me, I'm yours. I'm yours. I give my life to you. Amen? So we get to this part of the ascension. Verse 50 of Luke 24. It says this, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. Now this is interesting, because he's about to leave the planet. He's finished telling them what he needs to tell them, but the last words, everybody say the last words. The last words Jesus is giving them is a blessing. It's a pronouncement of blessing On the very men and women that loved him and followed him and have chosen to say yes to him for the rest of their lives. Many who will be martyred for their faith. And he lifts his hands and he pronounces a blessing on them. And we get to see a picture of what that blessing is because from John 14, 15, 16, and 17, those chapters, he talks about promise after promise and blessing after blessing that we would have the Holy Spirit and that we'd have grace and that we would have peace in our lives and that we would know him and the Holy Spirit would show us things to come and reveal all truth to us. They are promises that Jesus laid out for several chapters with his disciples. And right now, right before he leaves, he lifts his hands and he blesses them and he tells them that the, all the promises are gonna be fulfilled. They're yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I go to the Father so that I can watch over my word to perform it. He's pronouncing a blessing on them. He lifts his hands and pronounces a blessing. And Ephesians 1 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. This pronouncement wasn't just a few seconds, it was probably minute after minute after minute of Jesus speaking life and blessing over those very men and women that are gonna take the gospel around the world. It was an awesome moment. Awesome moment. And right in the middle of that, where they're at is uh, Jesus. Uh, the Bible says that he led him out to Bethany. So geographically, Bethany is east of Jerusalem, right? So if you're looking at the map, that's to your right. Everybody with me? Yeah. Where are my map people? Come on, help me out. You like maps, you follow maps. There's seven people in here that like maps. We need a map course in school, glory to God. Okay, so I'm a map guy, right? So it's east, it's, just say it's to your right. Everybody say to your right. Okay, there you go. So Bethany's to the east and Jesus liked this path. Because Bethany is where uh, uh, Lazarus' family was. Mary Martha's home was there where he was, mini- you know, he was ministering. And Martha was like, make my sister come help me. I'm cooking. I'm doing all by myself. Come on. <laughs> right? That's where he's ministering. And they're having food. And Lazarus, uh, his, where his tomb was, was that way. Um, and the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is where the Garden of Gethsemane is. I mean, you guys remember the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed many times, not just right before he was crucified, but many times. And then the Mount of Olives. Well, the Mount of Olives is significant because this is where Jesus is standing when he is taken up off the planet. He ascends, but it's also the place that Zachariah says he's coming back. Now, I need you to hear me on this. Jesus is coming back That's right. soon. Amen? Amen? And the Bible says when he comes back and he takes the church off the planet, which I believe is really, 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 really soon, right? Right? then we're going to spend some time with him. Then he's going to come back in physical form and put his feet on the Mount of Olives. And Zechariah 14 says, when he puts his foot down, it will split in half and it will become two mountains. This is where he left from was the Mount of Olives. And he's here and he's, and he's um, standing on the Mount of Olives right in the very place where he's going to rule and reign. will come back to rule and reign. That's the spot. And he's lifting his hands and he's blessing them. Now, verse 51, and it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. While he's blessing them, while he's in the middle of the pronouncement of the blessing, he, he is separated and he begins to lift off the planet and float away. Now, you can imagine what that looks like. You guys ever seen a balloon leave a birthday party before? okay most of you good that's way better than the map folks okay so you've seen you've seen a balloon leave a party before i don't know about you but i've i've watched the balloon for a long time am i the only one it's like i wonder how long i can see this before that 747 takes it out like you just i wonder you know but that's what they're they're watching jesus leave the planet and they're they're staring as they should i mean i don't think i'd take my eyes off of him. would you i don't care what else is going on i'm gonna see the whole thing all the way through right And so he's in the middle of it, pronouncing a blessing. And maybe he's doing it individually. I don't know. He could be. I'm kind of hoping that he doesn't, because in the middle of the blessing, he starts to get taken away, right? And he's like, and Tim, I'm going to say, what did he say? What did he say? That was me. Like, hopefully he's not in the middle of yours. But he was pronouncing a blessing. (laughs) Acts chapter 1 gives us a picture of this. He says, why are you looking up? This question in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. In verse nine, he says, now when he had spoken these things, this is part of what he was saying because John gives us a picture, a little snippet of what he was saying. When he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. A cloud received him. So they watched him until the cloud swallowed him up. Now, you may not believe this, but I actually have a little bit of experience with this. When I was when I was skydiving in my youth, in my twenties, I was on my last jump after all my training. Nobody had to go with me. I wasn't being babysat at all. I, I had passed all the tests, so I get to jump out of the airplane by myself, which is scary and fun at the same time. And I remember asking my instructor because the the there's rules about skydiving. You're not supposed to enter into clouds when you're skydiving, free falling, or flying the parachute because you can't see other skydivers you can't see aircraft you can't avoid obstacles there's just lots of reasons why you don't same thing with flying you just you just don't when you're you know so i'm skydiving and i asked the instructor i said well we're way up there and the clouds are actually in this part part of the day we're way down low what if i end up over a cloud and it's time for me to deploy my chute and he says well don't tell anybody but deploy your chute and go through the cloud like you know you you obviously got to open it anyway so um I ended up positioning myself on purpose over a cloud. (laughs) I think I just admitted that for the first time out loud. Anyway, (laughs) strike that from the record. Um, So I'm over a cloud, and I deploy my chute, and when my chute's coming open, I'm in the middle of this big cumulus nimbus cloud. There was no lightning, so just get that out of your mind. It was a nice day, just a nice cloud. However, you get swallowed up by a cloud. I mean, you, you can't see anything. It's cool. It's misty. It's wonderful. And then there's this moment where you break out of the cloud. And it's like, wow. <laughs> so I got a little bit of a picture of what it's going to be like, except in reverse, right? Like, <laughs> we're we're going to be going up with him. And Jesus went up, and he got received by a cloud. And it's just a cool thing. It's a cool thing. Yeah. We're going to get to experience that, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you live in Florida, and it's perfectly sunny, and there's no clouds. Like, Come on. When he comes and gets us. We we got a good chance of having clouds around here. But Jesus got caught up until the clouds received him. And they stood there and they're watching. And they couldn't take their eyes off of even the clouds. You can imagine. And while they're standing there and they're staring, verse 10, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. These were angels, right? They just showed up as guys, as men. And they said to him, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will soon come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Yeah. Come on, they ask, it, they ask an obvious question. Why are you standing here looking up in the sky? Uh, Jesus just left. So I'm just trying to catch a glimpse. Right? It's an obvious question. But they said, don't worry about it. He's going to come back in the same way, just like he left, in the same spot, the Mount of Olives. Think about that. Thank you, Lord. So Jesus' ascension is... is Really, an important part of this message of Easter. How he, how he went up is a big deal because it started a few things that kicked off a few things for us that is awesome as believers, as Christians. It marked the completion of his earthly ministry. His ministry wasn't over until he was risen from the dead and brought to understanding the disciples so that they fully understand his godship, his lordship, his headship over the church. He, he couldn't leave before he did that. That marked the end of his earthly ministry. Now he's in heaven on our behalf, he says he's our high priest and he's our advocate. Come on now. He's before the Lord saying, nope, those are my kids. We're watching after them. They're good. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren and Jesus is our advocate and he's the best lawyer in the universe. That's right. Never lost a case. Amen. And he's, working, he's, he's declaring us before God. That's amazing. It signaled the end of his limitation. Come on, when Jesus was on the planet, you could just have one-on-ones with him. He could talk to a group of people or a large group, but you know he couldn't be everywhere all the time. Now his limitations ended. He can minister and talk to people all over the globe in this very moment. Isn't that awesome? His limitations have been removed. It marked the coronation of him as a king. When you're a king and you're coronated, this is the moment where you're in charge. You're the boss. You're the big kahuna. And he stepped into that lordship and that kingship when he was ascended up into heaven. And now he's at the right hand of the father. King of kings and Lord of lords forever. Isn't that awesome? Come on, he ascended. It it signaled the next step of him being able to send the Holy Spirit. He said, I can't send the Holy Spirit unless I go. I got to go. So that's what he said. So when he ascended, it was 10 days later. Holy Spirit shows up in the earth and he's still here. Amen. Working in our hearts, convicting men of sin, drawing people to Jesus. Come on, helping us, instructing us, teaching us. The Holy Spirit's in the earth. And he couldn't be here if Jesus was still on the planet. Can you imagine the line waiting to see Jesus this morning? Good night. Take a number. Amen. I mean, it's way better that he's up there. Thank you, Lord. He began preparing our heavenly home. That's another great opportunity. He said, there are many mansions in my father's house. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. Come on, say, that's me. me. He's preparing a place for you in heaven. He can't do that if he's down here. Amen. That's the beginning. He passed the responsibility from himself to his followers in that moment. No longer do they have Jesus. They can go Talked to in the flesh. Now they have to rely on the Holy Spirit and what He taught them to take on the work, to continue the work. That's a big deal. That means the responsibility rests with us right. to do everything He called us to do—to minister in the way that we we're supposed to minister, to reach people, to love on people, to disciple people. Amen. Yeah. It's important. He launched his leadership as the head of the church, and he—this uh, was the beginning of also his priestly role, where he is our high priest, Amen. where his. His blood still speaks for us because it was shed for the remission of our sins. And he's our high priest and he's saying, they're okay, they've been made right with me. Isn't that awesome? That's what all marked when he left the planet, lifted up off the ground in something they had never seen before and ascended into heaven. Come on, the ascension was awesome. 40 days of seeing Jesus hearing about what it was and who he was and how he uh, designed this plan with the heavenly father to be in the earth, to take on our sins, to die on the cross, to be raised from the dead and then to be seated at the right hand of the father. It's awesome, it's awesome. So Jesus' position in heaven is everything to us. It's our spiritual position, our spiritual authority is where he's at. Ephesians 2 says this in verse four, it says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up together and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where he sits, spiritually speaking, positionally speaking, we sit. Come on, we're not God. We're not King. We're not Lord. He is. But spiritually speaking, in authority, when he sat down at the right hand of the Father, he brought us with him. It means we have rights and privileges and authority in the earth to operate in the name of Jesus. There's a life he destined us to live that's far above what we've found. And if we'll go after it, he'll begin to reveal it and show it to us. And he'll bring to our understanding truths, just like he did for his disciples. Thank you, Lord. So he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And this is the verse right here I want you to get. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It is not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is a free gift to every man, woman, and child on the planet that that will see that they need a Savior in Jesus and humbly submit themselves to him and say, yes, Jesus, I need, I, need, I need you. I need you to save me from my sin. And when we submit to him, when we come to him, the Bible says that if we will confess Jesus is our Lord and believe in our heart that he is the son of God and God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. God made it simple. He didn't make a whole bunch of hoops to jump through. He just said, if you will believe it and you will speak it, you'll be saved. And I'm encouraging you all this morning That if you haven't made that decision and you haven't made that commitment yet, or maybe you just feel like you got your toes in the water, why don't you just jump all in? Because I'm telling you, the water's fine. (laughs) It's fine. I'm telling you what. So uh, Jesus laid it out for us, and the Lord laid it out for us, that by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast. Not of works, right? So it's a confession of our mouth and a belief in our hearts. So this morning, you're going to have an opportunity to recommit Rededicate, or maybe for the first time, say yes to Jesus and submit yourself to him. I'm telling you, it's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the best decision you'll ever make, right? Cody's my second best decision. Jesus is my first, hands down, (laughs) hands down. He's the best decision we'll ever make, amen? So I'm just gonna put this to you. Are you willing to make Jesus your Lord? This, This is really the decision that every human being will come to in their life on some point in this planet, is are you going to say yes to Jesus or are you going to reject him? Because God's not sending anybody to hell except for those that reject Jesus. And really, it's their choice. It's not God sending. People are choosing to say no to Jesus and say no to God to be their own gods. And they're choosing it. And that choice is actually sending themselves to a separation from God for eternity. There is a heaven and there is a hell. I'm here to tell you, the Bible is very, very clear. There's a heaven and a hell. Heaven is a choice when we make Jesus the Lord of our life. So I just want to encourage you, if if you haven't made that choice and you want Jesus to not just be in your life as fire insurance, but be in your life to help you in every way. He will help you in your relationships, your marriage, with your kids, your coworkers, with your neighbors. For crying out loud, your neighbors, he will help you. He loves every aspect of your life and wants to be in it in full force to help you live the life he's destined you to live.
0: for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com slash connect and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us and remember Jesus is coming soon.